Josh, it's uh, we're we're back in the studios. Here it, we are. It's Ultra Life today, uh, and we are excited to have another segment uh, going on with um, our esteemed guest from last month. Uh, guess who it is? It's Ed Fletcher, and I can't tell you, Adam, how excited I am to learn more about herbs and the history of herbs and what they can do for us today. It's cool. You know, we had a great discussion last time. Yep. Uh, do you remember what it was about? Oh, I do. We talked about the identity of herbs and how much counterfeiting is taking place in the uh, in the world. And then we uh, then we moved into talking a bit about golden seal. Is it was correct? golden seal. Yeah. That's ding, right. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. Do I get a free bottle yeah. of it? Ultra oh, product. you get another ultra. Yeah, here we go. So, uh, well, Ed's, Ed's going to join us here. Hey, Ed, how are you? I'm great today. How are you guys? Oh, my gosh. We should all be out there with you. I was going to say, it looks a lot more fun where you are, Ed, than where we are. I can hear birds chirping, and yeah. looks like you're catching a little sun. That's great. It's uh, springtime here in the Appalachian Mountains, so it's an exciting time. So, uh, so what part of the U.S. are you in, Ed? I'm in northwestern North Carolina. Oh, beautiful. Sitting about 4,200 feet. So you can see we actually don't have leaves. All the leaves are out on our tree just starting to come out. So a lot of the spring ephemeral bloomers, the herbaceous perennials are just blooming now. It's an exciting time. Oh. You, you North Carolinians have the coolest accent. Um, Thank you. Uh, you know, I, I met a young man one time from North Carolina. He came down here and a bunch of us from church kind of put him up. He was just kind of hitchhiking through town and I just loved listening to him talk. It's such a different inflection and, and sound than it is in any other state. Yeah, there's a lot of Scotch-Irish uh, Okay what most of my heritage is so yes you're right it is unique so ed, ed last time uh we we talked about uh golden seal and yeah. some counterfeiting and some of the issues there i think yeah. you astonished our listeners by how long it takes to grow golden seal right. uh, you know and we had a bunch of people that um, asked questions about it but i i don't want to i don't want to linger on golden seal because i think we kind of we murdered that plant a little bit <laughs> what um, we we thought we would talk about a, a different botanical this week. Sure. And uh, we had mentioned black cohosh. Is that um, still something? Oh yeah. So tell us a little bit about the history of that herb and why it's become so important in natural medicine. Well, it's been utilized. I think it was in the U.S. Pharmacopeia, probably back in 1930, sometime in there, and it's still oh. in there. They. Uh, it's mainly known for helping women through hot flashes through the hormonal stages of life and everything. What's interesting, it's one of the few botanicals that have crossed over into the drug arena. In other words, there's companies in Germany that actually grow it, buy it, they grow it, they produce it, and they sell it. And the name of the product is Remifemin. I believe oh, it's uh, produced by Schwappe and Brumer. It may have changed company names now, but it's quite interesting. It's, it's got a long history. It uh, grows here in the eastern U.S. in the mountains of the United States, up into southern parts of Canada a little bit. But it's mainly a forest grown and much similar to the woods growing right behind me here. We actually have some growing out there. If we have time, maybe we can venture out and see some of it. But it's that, been that would be great. Many generations, really good safety, and uh, the ID is very easy. So it's not one that's often adulterated uh, accidentally although there is some economic adulteration, as we spoke about last week. But it's a really good, well-established, long-term use herb. Yeah. 
Ed, you said something that triggered something in me. Years ago, I had some clients in one of my business that were missionaries, and they spent a ton of time in Germany. And they would say, Josh, when we walk into a pharmacy in Germany, oh, yeah. the drugs are the herbs. I, yeah. I was like, wait a minute, what? And, yep. and so uh, that's just kind of fascinating to me. And then you mentioned Black Cohosh being in the pharmacopoeia. Was there just a shift at some point in time? Because I remember the yeah. pharmacopoeia used to basically be plants, and then all of a yeah. sudden, poof, that changed. What what happened there? Well, well, I'm sorry. I mean, I was telling Adam this last week. I believe the ratio is like 70 to 75 percent of all pharmaceutical drugs are plant based. In other words, they found right. out the constituent of the particular plant that they considered to be the active constituent. Right. And you can't patent a plant make a lot of money on it, but you can patent right. a constituent. So they would take that constituent into a lab. And you know, synthesize it. Yeah. Synthesize. Well, yeah. It's it's the uh, it's the extraction purification thing. Yeah. And you know, University of Mississippi is probably one of the culprits oh, yeah. in this, right? Yeah. Because as you know, they they have the natural medicine yeah. uh, uh, center there. But the whole idea was, well, let's figure out where the active ingredient is so that yeah. we can uh, standard. The whole idea was not to purify it out, but to standardize the the botanical ingredient. Right to that active ingredient yeah right and then you can patent it and mark it up tremendously so that's wow. unfortunately and that started happening in the late well i'd say the early 40s into the early okay 70s, they started doing that but you're exactly right most other countries around the world majority of other countries around the world they go to the drug in germany you can get reimbursed for your wow drug prescription. you mean for most for the, buying a natural medicine what a novel yeah. idea yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, yeah, we, I mean. The well, there's no difference, really. I mean, it's right. a botanical. It's right, a, right. We, yeah. we have these, we talked about this before. We have these arbitrary definitions between a drug and a botanical, and the, the yeah. difference being the name. Yeah. Well, and potentially side effects. <laughs> well, I don't know. Botanicals have side effects, well, too. Well, they do. They yeah. Do. They definitely, like, you know. I, 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 you can name your botanical. You overdo it, you're going to get some toxic. Over, sure, over sure. Yeah. I'm just going. I'm just going to compare the insert of a drug okay, to the okay, botanical, okay. and then I'm going to say, "Now look at this list of unpronounceable conditions." You, you <laughs> caught me in a brain, in a brain moment here, Josh. <laughs> a botanical is like an allergic reaction. Like if yeah, that's true. Golden seal. If it's a member of the, you know, something. If you have hay fevers or something, but you just stop taking it, it goes away. It doesn't. You know, it doesn't cause long-term residual effects, generally speaking. So do we know what the mechanism of action is for black cohosh? Well, I know the active constituents. When we grow and we produce and sell uh, black cohosh, they're looking for the the uh, glycosides. The triterpene glycosides is what they – in other words, if I get a, a PO and a spec sheet from one of my customers, they usually have a certain level of triterpene glycosides that they need in the root. So that's the active constituent that my customers are looking for. Interesting. And so uh, does black cohosh have the same kind of harvest issues that golden seal has? Is it is it a long? No, it's much shorter. It's only four years. Only four years. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're out there, Ed. Could you show us a black cohosh in its yeah. native environment? Yeah, let's walk out here and see if I can get to it, okay? Yeah. You see the tall plant right here? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This will give you a reference of the size of the plant, the size of the leaf in my hands. Mm. It's pretty unique. Now, they haven't bloomed yet. Let's see if I can find one that's starting to bloom. 
Here's a bloom just beginning to form on this one. Can you see that little green? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in yeah. about three weeks, it's going to be about three. It'll grow up about three feet above the foliage. The foliage will stay right here, and the bloom stalk shoots up above there, and it's a beautiful white spire bloom. It's just very unique, very beautiful bloom. So it's so, a spot in the woods. So I've got a question for you. What, when I hear about herbs and I look on the back of a bottle, I'll see something that will say root and then stem and then leaf, aerial part. What, what's going on there when we, they talk about utilizing different portions of the plant? What, what's, what, what's, what's up with that? Well, it is very specific. As a matter of fact, if you sell a product as a dietary supplement, and the bottle says black cohosh root on there. Actually, if there is leaf and stem in there, that's considered an adulterant. You have to be that oh, wow. specific. Oh, interesting. But maybe as far as what is utilized, what part of the plant is utilized, I mean, the, con the active constituents in a plant are translocated from the roots to the herb different times of year through the vascular system. I don't know how deep you want to get into that but it's basically uh, it make, but it makes sense it's kind yeah, of like you know uh, yeah. at it's uh, if it's a annual especially right right so it's it'll it'll concentrate all of the summer stuff in the in the in the leaves right. exactly. and then when it's going to go when it's ending its life cycle it might uh you know it'll go down and all the nutrients will go down into the rootstock and that and that's where most plants, that's when they harvest them in the fall. They let them grow through the summer, and then all the constituents are translocated, again, through the vascular system back into the roots. And that's when your triterpene glycosides are highest in the roots. Interesting. So, so would you be kind enough to bust a myth for me, um, now that I've finally met somebody that probably knows this answer? I've sure. heard different people talk about harvesting at unusual times, like when there's full moons and different things like that. Tell me, <laughs> tell me what's up with that. Well, yes, that, I mean, it, obviously the moon affects everything because even in the Bible it talks about being a lunatic and refers to the lunar, how it affects us and our body flows and everything. We know that. So, yes, I mean, we plant by the signs as much as we can, but, you know, sometimes you have to make hay while the sun shines. So if okay. we're harvesting a crop and it's a, maybe not a good day, we just have to go ahead and harvest. But I'm sure in a homeopathic level where you're only doing small quantities, right. if you can abide by that, I feel like it will definitely help support the quality, the quantity, and the constituents, I'm sure, Josh. Well, that's good to know because I've actually seen some companies that do small batches and they yes. say, we specifically harvest at this yes. time and it boosts the actual potency. You're right. So, no, okay. there, are, there are specific times, if I'm harvesting an herb of, of a plant, I know at what point, like echinacea, we've very studied that extensively. I know what level of the bloom and the stage of the growth that the uh, total phenols are the highest. So there are there is a lot to that, to know when to harvest. Wow. So Adam, you and I heard a black cohosh story right here in our own Ultra Botanica uh, corporate building the other day. I'm not going to mention the name, but Adam brought up black cohosh, Ed, and said we were going to do an interview with you again. And this lady just spoke up and said, I took that during menopause and it helped me oh, with night true. sweats oh, yeah. and sleeping. And yeah, it was really interesting. I mean, she just yeah. piped up and said, oh, it works. It changed my life. Yeah, it yeah. changed not my life, her life. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you know who the biggest customers of black cohosh are? No. Ben. What? Oh, and now are we going to get into some kind of interesting thing about male uh, stuff here? 
What, yeah. what, what goes on with men that take black cohosh? No, no, no. Men buy it and give it to them. Oh, there or you give go. it to their wives. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. They're actually they're buying themselves some peace of mind. It's one of the yeah, best antipsychotic medications in the world. That's it true. helps, right? I, I, it helps the men become <laughs> antipsychotic. Well, I've, uh, I don't know if I just said that. Yeah, I've got a I funny did. story about that, Adam. We, uh, in one of my former companies, a dear friend of yours and mine, uh, Jennifer, out at the lab there in uh, Lawton, was making a product for us that was a topical cream that was helping men that were having uh, ED issues. Yeah. And, uh, and I was giving it to these men in my prayer group that were all a bunch older than me, and their wives were like, Stop giving that to them. <laughs> oh, it was yeah, funny. They don't like being chased around. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Especially when they're at retirement age. Yeah. I didn't want to regress to last week, but now that I'm out of here, I thought I'd show you what Golden Seal looks like. Oh, that would be great. And, yeah. and we're going to take a quick break here, Ed, and we're going to be right back with you and in this segment. We are Ultra Life Today. I'm here with Adam Payne. I'm Josh Bell. You and Ed Fletcher is with us, uh, schooling us on herbs. It's quite fun. We'll be back in a moment. Our mission is to take nature's most beloved botanicals and enhance them with our liquid protein scaffold technology. This helps it reach your cells faster and better. With exponentially enhanced bioavailability, you'll feel better every day. Ultra Botanica, the feel-good curcumin. Hey, thanks for joining us at Ultra Life today. We're here in the Ultra Botanica studios in Oklahoma City. I'm sitting next to Adam Payne, the CEO of Ultra Botanica. Hey, Josh. I'm Josh Bellew. Hey, Adam. And uh, we've got Ed Fletcher, this guy that's been growing herbs in his family for generations and has all kinds of cool stories. And he's walking us through an area in the Appalachians showing us black cohosh today. And we're talking about that, among other things. Yeah. It's um it's been it's fun having it uh, join our our broadcast. Uh, let's see if we can get him on here again. Hey Ed. Hey guys. How you doing today? Good. Mr. Ed Glad Fletcher's to see you back. here again. So tell you were gonna you're out in the woods there in the Appalachians. Yeah. So uh, you were gonna show us something really interesting. Well, there it is. Let's see. You get, I give you an idea of the size of the leaf. It's already bloomed actually. Can you see? It's already bloomed, and this is actually the seeds. Oh, wow. It looks so small, Ed. It is. I mean, it's only about, well, it's that tall, about 12 to 14 inches tall. That's about all it does. How, how old is that particular plant there? These plants are about six years old. Wow. So it's two years away from its first harvest? harvest yeah. Yeah. And this is actually our, this is where we collect all of our seed stock and do our main seed collection to propagate from and grow elsewhere so we'll leave that in the ground that's our mother stock so to speak so Ooh. yep so how much how many acres have have, have you planted in in uh in, under your control right now right now we've only well we've got about six and a half acres and most Sounds of like... that's uh under contract with different growers we're growing some here and then i have growers around the country that are growing it for us i work with them Sound, it doesn't sound like much, but it's probably a, a, an, an incredible amount of uh, golden seal. It is, yeah. It's, when you start, I mean, if you're talking, it's comparable to corn and soybeans, somewhat where you guys are, it's nothing. 
but for for the medicinal world, that's quite a bit of gold and silver. Yes, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about placing a PO for twenty thirty. Would yep. that still be open? Twenty twenty seven. Exactly right. I mean, oh my gosh! I mean, some of these companies that really want material. I mean, Golden Seal is can also be legally wildcrafted, but it's just not as uh, the, the supply is not as stable as it was in the past. So we're encouraging, and we're getting more and more companies calling us wanting to contract. But yes, you're right. It's we don't have available. Uh, material until 2027. We have to plan that far ahead, Adam. So, Ed, if, uh, let's go back to black cohosh for a second. Sure, sure. If um, uh, so, what's the dosage of black cohosh, and and what? How quickly could somebody expect it to actually be a benefit to them? Well, you're, that's a little bit out of my realm because each company, each company depends on the product they make and the drink that they make it in, and they develop their own dosage. So that will really depend. But I, from my personal experience, my wife, yeah. It's, about seven to ten days before she started really feeling the hot flashes subside and subdue, and and then you know she ran out. She'd been taking it for a while, and I will tell this story. She ran out for a while because you know, and she just thought, well, I'll get it sometime, and we forgot about it. And then pretty soon, in a few days, she realized, hey, I got to get some again. It's but my flashes are coming back. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So is so is the black cohosh typically only used for a specific period of time as a therapeutic, or do people use it for other reasons and take smaller amounts of it throughout the year? What is there anything going on there? Mm. The hormonal is, and for the short periods are mainly what it's used for, Josh. Okay. But I have heard, actually, I've heard men who have had hormonal problems also take black cohosh to help themselves. Wow. Now, are you talking about like testosterone <laughs> benefits or are you talking about just in general overall, overall issues? It was to help with their hormonal issues because men who are t- have hormonals and having to take uh, hormones, they also have their hot flashes and things. A lot oh, of interesting. Time, the thyroid issue. Okay. Well, you know, it's, it's amazing that, I mean, I, who, who would have, how would somebody have discovered yeah, black cohosh is like right. something um, right. that they were uh, that was helping their their wife or themselves right. or a loved one with uh, with hot flashes. What, right. you, you, in asking that question, Adam, because I ask that all the time myself, it always makes me think the wisdom of God that was given to people generations and generations and generations ago that's passed on, you know, Mm. from person to person to person, because I can't figure out any other way other than God showed them, hey, this is what these are for, you know? It's amazing. So, Ed, how's the the supply of black black cohosh right now? Is it a pretty open market, or is it easy to get, or is this, do you have to, like, pre-order this, too? Uh, well, a, a majority, black cohosh is much more abundant in the wild. Mm-hmm. It propagates faster, it grows faster, it drops seed and grows. So the majority of the black cohosh still comes from wildcrafted. And it oh, interesting. Is abundant, but I will say that uh, in the last two years, because of the pandemic and a lot of the issues surrounding that, it's caused some pressure on the black cohosh just because the people are not getting out and harvesting enough. I've got I've got orders right now I can't fill, and I won't be able to fill them until this fall when we harvest again. That's interesting. Did I don't recall in the last uh, in the last Mississippi meeting was there a, uh, an adulteration issue with black cohosh? There, any time that there's a shortage, Adam, I'm sorry to say, but there's an opportunity for economic adulteration. There is a difference, like I said, 
accidental adulteration. Yeah, it makes sense. get some species mixed up. But the economic adulteration, and again, not to call them out, but it's a known fact that there's a similar species of Actaea. Black cohosh here is Actaea racemosa. Yeah. There's a species that grows in China that's called Actaea fotida. Uh-huh. And it's very similar, but it is it has been known to make it into the U.S. market as an adulterant. Is it? Does it have the same same benefits yes. as the other one? Yes, and and actually, if someone would do a study and they would file for an NDI, a new dietary ingredient, it has the same actives. They use it in China for that. The problem is, they put it in a product over here that does not have that on the label. It has. You know, American black co-op. Oh, right? so they're so they're they are misrepresenting it, even That's though it, it mis- might have the same benefit. They're they're it's, lying essentially. It's, mis- it's mislabeling. Uh, Ed, I heard you mention this the last time that uh, we got to talk with you, but our listeners would be very interested. In your opinion, if you walk into an independent health food store or a big big health food store chain, national chain, mm-hmm. should you gravitate toward those brands that you know have been on the shelf for 30, 40, 50 years? In, in your opinion, is that the best way to go when you're trying to buy an herb and wanting to make sure it's not adulterated? By, in my opinion, yes. Okay. I mean, okay. the companies who've been around for a while, they have a good reputation. They have good SOPs. They have good protocols to screen these botanicals. They know their supply chain. Now, I'm not. I don't want to say that new startup small companies cannot do the same thing. But right. You've got to be careful because a lot of companies will try to just jump into the market into a fad. You know, if there's a Dr. Oz or somebody talks about a certain herb, then the demand goes up and the price goes up. Some of these companies will just jump into that and try to make money. But generally speaking, I think I said last time, you know, go to Walmart to buy your socks and other things. My opinion is go to a reputable place to buy (laughs) something that you're going to put into your body to health. And again, Walmart has some good lines too. But like you said, your local health food store and the brands that have been around for a long time, well established with a good reputation and less uh, uh, reports of anything. Those are the ones I would go to. Yeah, one of them that I'm actually pretty impressed with, and we actually um, buy some materials from them, is Now Foods. I, don't, I know they had a, they had a yeah. huge problem about a, a decade or so yeah, ago. Yeah, they, they kind of had to reinvent themselves. Didn't yeah. they? But, but now my understanding is that they're, uh, and based upon my experience, is their quality department is really, yes. really top-notch. Well, and, and you know, Ed and Adam, one of the things, because I get to be out meeting these awesome independent health food store owners, yeah. that's what I do when I go into a store to buy something like that. I look at the person because they've owned the store for 30 years and they'll immediately go, this is why I carry this brand, because it produces the results that you want. Right. Well, that's, that's one thing, you know, it's, you all, know? It's, it's supply chain quality yeah. and then it's also the results that people get. Um, I think, unfortunately, based upon again, I'm going back to the meeting I went to recently. I'm 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 like I'm a neophyte in this space, so I'm like the little kid going, "Look, cookie," yeah. <laughs> right? Um, but I, I was astonished at how tricky some of these um, economic adulterators are in yeah. falsifying what 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 a good lab would even say. Oh, this is black cohosh, but. Right. In fact, it's not. Yeah. Wow. So, so I, I, I've got an off-the-wall question for you. Okay. So Adam and I are sitting here in the heart of Oklahoma City, just west of the capital. Um, and I know that these plants, these botanicals, grow all over the United States. 
Are there actually people even in Oklahoma that wildcraft and harvest herbs and actually supplement their living, picking yes. things like that? Yes. And, and really, and and typically, is that a generational thing, or has there been some kind of explosion in the cottage industry for those that just kind of want to get back to nature and figure out a way to make a living? I mean, I'm fascinated yeah. by that. Yeah, I want to go pad my pocketbook a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I mean, it it comes from both, Josh. I'd say the majority of it is generational. It's passed down through the family, like okay. it's been in my in my family. I think I may have told the story about. Uh, when I was young and I had pleurisy. Yeah, the pleurisy root in your grandma. Yeah. She brought it into her. She made a poultice. I put it on my side. I woke up the next morning and I was 9 or 10 years old. All I could know was I didn't have any pain anymore. I could go play. So I, that, that, you know, Amazing. that's my brain. But most of it is passed down through the generation. Although the younger generation, some of those are desiring to be more you know live off the land right go off the grid so they're learning that as a matter of fact we're having a training session next month of newcomers i would say new people that want to learn more about uh how to be self-sufficient so it's a it's a trend in both ways is is that class full <laughs> it sounds like i'm sitting here watching you walk around out there in that oh uh, we want we want to go beauty and it's like hey we could do a cool show from out there and and uh and highlight your class and how you're teaching new generations these uh awesome things that you've learned in your family uh, i was going to ask what else do you actually have out there so that we have to make you show it to us again on the next okay. broadcast yeah we've got i mean we've got a lot of different species here i'll uh I mean, American ginseng out here. Oh, let's do oh, let's do let's American do ginseng. Yeah, yeah, that's got a good. Hit. That's got a very good story to it. Okay. Nice, that'll be the next. Well, Ed, thanks for joining us again. This has been uh, Ultra Life today with Ed Fletcher, and I'm Adam Payne, and Josh Bell. He's right here next to me. Yes, indeed. Thanks for joining us. We yeah. appreciate it, Ed. Yeah, take care. You're welcome. Enjoyed it. What do you think? Do you think black pepper is necessary for the adequate absorption of curcumin into the body? True or false? It's actually false. Black pepper or piperin extract does not improve the absorption of curcumin into the body. It inhibits enzymes in the liver are responsible for the breakdown of curcumin molecules that absorb into your body. Curcumin is a material that's poorly absorbed in its native form. It's in a crystal, it's bound to itself. LPS technology binds those curcumin molecules to a protein, and then as your body digests that protein amino acid, those molecules get absorbed right into your body. So you don't need to use black pepper or oil in order to aid the absorption. We're already providing molecular curcumin in our liquid protein scaffold. We want you to see for yourself whether UltraCur can create a breakthrough in the inflammation in your body. UltraCur, the feel-good curcumin.